ends. Excellent. If, if nothing else comes of this sermon series, it will be that we know this chapter really well. We're not going to play all of that every week, um, but uh, it sounds really loud today. Am I, am I as loud out there as I feel up here? We, if we can get that down a bit, that, that sounds a bit better. Or we might be speaking more quietly. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Now it's hardly any there at all. But um, yeah, it's so good to have you with us. Gary, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. Thank you so much. Gary was here yesterday doing stuff. He's been here since half eight this morning, so I shouldn't give him a hard time. He's doing a great job. Um, uh, we are starting a new series today in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to spend about 12 weeks going through uh, this chapter. Um, I was a little bit sad to discover that I can't recite this off by heart anymore. There was a time in my life when I could, um, because this has been a chapter that God has, uh, in the past, really spoken to me through. Uh, so powerfully, in fact, that uh, stupidly or not, I actually had it tattooed on my back. Um, and, you know, it's a wonderful piece of scripture. I think if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. If you're married, you probably had it read at your wedding. Um, it's, it's a lovely uh, piece of scripture. Um, and it tells us what love is and also what love isn't like. And it's, um, it's, it feels to me as though it's quite strange in that, that, that it, it also says, love, no, love isn't like that. You know, and, and that, that feels quite strange. And we're going to um, be spending 12 weeks in this. Now, I decided that we would have an introductory sermon to this series. And I found this week that that was a really bad idea because I need to say something to hopefully edify you uh, today uh, but I can't really say too much because we're going to spend the next 11 weeks uh, having specific sermons on the specific phrases of this whole chapter. So it's quite difficult to say something about this without stepping on my toes in future weeks or the toes of other preachers uh, in the rest of this series. So I'm going to say one thing to you today that I hope will encourage you in your Bible reading, uh, which relates to this chapter. Uh, and I'm going to say something to you about this chapter uh, and how it relates to us as Croydon Jubilee Church. Um, and I hope uh, that, uh, that you're blessed by what I share this morning. Um, I know a number of life groups, well, in fact, before, before I say, there's, so the thing I want to share with you about the way we read our Bibles and how we can apply that to this chapter uh, is, is this. Who, who we think about first when we read the Bible is really important. You know, who we think of first when we read the Bible is really important. And I know that a number of life groups in the church have been uh, doing a series called Goliath Must Fall by, I think it's by Louis Giglio, is that right? Louis Giglio, yeah. And, and in this uh, series of Bible studies that Louis Giglio leads, um, he, he essentially says that we, as people, are more like the army of Israel in David's story than we are like David that actually in our daily lives, we're more like the army of Israel who are afraid and inactive, but that Jesus being like, well, like David being like a type of Christ, prefiguring Jesus, goes and, win a, goes and wins a great victory on behalf of these scared and inactive people. And it's, it's, it's really, it really blesses me to think about that story like that, because when I think about myself first in that story, I feel a huge weight come on me because now I have to be brave and to take stands and I have to choose the right weapons for the battles that I face. And I don't know if I know how to do that 
all the time. And so I feel a weight. When I remember that Jesus went and won a great victory for me, that actually I was scared and inactive and refusing to fight Goliath, but Jesus won and, went a, and, and, and won a great victory, I can be encouraged by that. I can go, wow, because, because God is for me, who can be against me? You know, as John just read out earlier, you know, you know, what can separate me from the love of God? You know, as we sang, we are more than conquerors. When I think about God first in that story, I'm encouraged. When I think about me first in that story, I'm discouraged. Another example could be uh, the man in Psalm 1 who is blessed because he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on it he meditates day and night. If I think about myself first when I read that psalm, I, I can go, right, I want to be blessed, I want to be, I want to be a righteous guy, and so that means I need to do this, 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 this. That's easy. Until I go and try, and I fail, and I feel rubbish, and I feel, oh gosh, I'm not that guy. I'm one of these wicked guys from Psalm 1. I'm not the blessed guy from Psalm 1. But the reality is, none of us are that guy from Psalm 1. None of us uh, never walk in the counsel of the wicked. None of us never stand in the way of sinners, but there is one who has. We celebrated him last week as the risen Lord Jesus. We celebrate him today still as the risen Lord Jesus. He lived a perfect life for all of us so that we now, clothed in his righteousness, can go. Actually, because of Jesus, I am that man now. I'm that blessed man. Not because I've done it, but because he did. And it's important, it's helpful to think of God first. It's helpful, actually, to think of God most. <laughs> you know, it's helpful to think of him more than we think of ourselves. But it's certainly helpful when we read the Bible to think of God first. And that's, uh, that's true of this chapter again today. It's true of this chapter that if we think of ourselves first, it's going it's to be a, a, hard, uh, a hard weight for us to carry. Let me just find myself in my notes. Apologies. As I, I told you, I, I, I literally got this tattooed on my back. There was a time in my life uh, when I came back to God at about the age of 12. I was 20. It wasn't about the age of 20. I was 20. I came back to God at the age of 20, and this was one of the chapters. I was reading the Bible just loads. I think you've all heard this story from this stage in my life. Literally reading the Bible everywhere I went. On the bus, when I was waiting for the bus, when I was on my breaks at work, I could not stop just devouring the Bible, particularly the New Testament. I absolutely loved it. And this chapter really spoke to me. And it spoke to me for two reasons. Firstly, it spoke to me because I realized that I did not love like this. This is not how I loved people at all. And I'm sad to say that. Um, the, but the second reason why I love this chapter is because I really believed this is how God loves me. That despite the fact that I'm not loving people like this, that this is how he loves me. And it, it just blew me away. It blew me away, to, as I say, to the point where, stupidly or not, and I'm not encouraging you all to go and get tattoos, believe me, my wife doesn't want me to get any more. I love them, I always have, but I may not get any anymore because they're financially irresponsible when you've got children. Uh, they're very expensive. Um, but I, um, I, I was like, I don't want to forget this. I never want there to be a time in my life when I forget this, that this is how God loves me that I really can enjoy a relationship with him because this is the terms that I come to him in. 
that he is the one who is patient and kind. You know, he doesn't boast or envy. He, he doesn't insist on his own way. You know, he, he is so good. You know, he doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You know, he hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things, that he is patient with me, that, you know, he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And it blew me away to consider that this is how God loved me. This chapter that we are going to read again and again through this series, I want to encourage you to think of him first. That every sermon that we, uh, that we listen to, every phrase that we spend a week uh, coming under, let's remember that that is how God loves us. Let's remember that first. Before we think, what must I do in response? Let's remember that is how God loves us. But despite saying that, this is also the standard of love that we are called to live out. And Jesus told us this. You know, Jesus told us that we must love one another the way that he has loved us. So we are to also try and live up to this. And that's, um, you know, that they're pretty high stakes. You know, it says in John 13, I will read the verse to you, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. They're quite high stakes, aren't they? You know, people around us who don't know Jesus, if they get close enough to us to see us with one another, they should see in our lives and in our relationships as God's people a love that is so different from the love of the world around us. Because the world doesn't love like this. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. That's not how the world loves. Love doesn't exist on its own way. That's not how the world loves. You know, the world does not love like this. And, and we are to love one another in this way. We are to love everyone in this way. You know, so we have to hope that, as I say, that as people who don't yet believe in Jesus get close enough to us to see our interactions with one another, they should recognize uh, they should recognize God in us. They should recognize us as his disciples, as, as a different people, a set-apart people. They should recognize that in us by the way we love one another. I am going to read this chapter again, despite um, someone with a far nicer voice than me having just read it to us a moment ago. I am going to read it again. I, I'm, I want to... Uh, I'm setting myself a challenge as well in this series. I'm, I'm speaking every other week. I'm going to learn this off by heart again. I'm going to recite this. So next time I speak, I hopefully won't be reading from this. I'll hopefully be with confidence reciting it to you. Why don't you learn it with me? Why don't you, it's an absolutely beautiful piece of scripture. Learn it with me. Um, I'll, I'll throw the, the gauntlet out there to the other preachers. Why don't you learn this with me? Let's recite this together every week. Um, and perhaps you can join me in future weeks as we recite it together, just as we've recited the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it might be clunky. Um, it might be a discordant mess. I'm using the ESV, by the way, so let's try and learn a similar version, or the same version even, otherwise it will be a discordant mess. But anyway, let's read it. As I say, like, let this sink in. Let every phrase sink in. As you spend time in it in the next 12 weeks, let every phrase sink in. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, 
but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. I do really love that chapter. I hope you're getting used to this phrase, Croydon Jubilee Church. We are going to encounter God and impact our world. That's what we are going to do. That's what God has called us to do. We are going to encounter God and impact our world. We're going to do that as a congregation. There are things that we are going to do together as a church We're also going to do that as the individuals that make up this congregation in the places where God has placed us, in the workplaces that we are in, in our homes, in our friendships. We are going to uh, encounter God and impact our worlds in all of those places too. But there are places where we are going to do this together. And we're going to do this by giving, growing and going, we've been saying, and I've been saying a lot, and I hope that you're getting this. I hope that as you pray for your church, that you are praying that we would encounter God and impact our world, that we would grow in, uh, well, that we would grow, <laughs> that we would grow in giving, growing and going, that, that would be, there would be things that we would delight to grow in, that we would, we would want to see worked out more in our among us. And I want to speak uh, for a few minutes on one of the ways that we are going to, um, one of the ways that we're going to love together, one of the ways that we're going to go and give and grow together, and that is through this place that we're in today, those of us who are here, through Selsden Hall and the community centre. I really do believe that this is one of the things that God has given us to love our community with and to show love through. Last September, I announced to you that we aren't going to be opening uh, what was the coffee shop in the same fashion uh, as it was before. And the, the main reason for that is that we, we don't feel it was sufficiently realising the vision that we felt God gave us this place for, which was to be like a membrane, this was a prophetic word, that it would be like a membrane between the church and the community. And that members of the community would pass through that membrane, they would be here, and that they would encounter the church. And that in encountering the church that they would build relationships, that they would be pointed to Jesus, and that equally through this place that we would be 
going whilst staying in these walls, um, that we would be going and that we would be serving the community, we would be engaging the community, and we would be calling them into uh, kind of community with us in this place. That is, you know, although events of the last few months have, have, have changed what the plan was, that is still the desire for us for this place that we would still serve the community through this place, that we would still see people coming into relationship with us here as Croydon Jubilee Church because of the way uh, we run this facility and we use this facility through the week, in the evenings, on the weekends, that we would serve this community really well uh, through this place. How we will do it and what we will do isn't totally clear anymore. We did, have a, we did have a pretty good idea how we were going to take it forwards and what we were going to do, and we don't anymore. Um, but the goal is still the same, the desire is still the same, and whatever we do, whatever we do here, we want to make sure that we do it with love, that everything that we do is done lovingly, that people encounter that, that promise of Jesus in John 13, that that people will know we're his disciples by the way that we love one another and by the way that we love them. And this is, this, this is where this chapter is, is, is challenging for us and where it's really important that we remember this because what we're seeking to do in this place and actually a lot of what we, uh, we would say being church is, you know, is... Paul is really clear in verse, verses 1 and 2 of, of 1 Corinthians 13. If it's not done in love, it's meaningless. You know, if, 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 we, if we give up everything we have, and even our bodies to the fire, but have love, we gain nothing. If we, if we don't love one another, and if we don't love this community, then whatever we try to do here is not going to have, it's not going to bless us, it's not going to bless people, it's probably not going to have the desired outcome. And so we really want to grow in this. We really want to see us becoming more and more loving. You know, that more and more, that as God works in us, transforming us from one degree of glory to the next, that we would see this type of love being, that being the type of love that we love people with and it being that more often. You know, Paul, in the first two verses of, of this chapter, literally has giving, growing, and going in his crosshairs. You know, growing in, the, growing in the prophetic. You know, understanding all knowledge and having wisdom and, and, and giving. You know, he literally has those three things in, our, in, in his crosshairs. And he's saying, if you're not loving people, all those things are ultimately meaningless, ultimately worthless. And we've got to remember that. All those things, you know, I, I love to come. I'm so pleased we've got a, a mic for people to bring contributions through. Um, I've all, you know, I mean, you've seen me uh, bring tongues and interpretation. You've seen me bring prophetic words. You've seen me cry, moved by the Spirit. You know that I want us to grow in the prophetic as a body. That's going to pass away. You know, will we still need to prophesy in heaven when Jesus is stood in our midst? It seems to say no. <laughs> You know, will we still give when we've got everything we need? No. So all of these things that we do now, they're like, they're like ways that we see his kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. These are things that we do because, because we are in the now and not yet of the kingdom. Jesus 
has ushered in the kingdom of God, but it's not fully here yet. And so we do give and grow and go because that's how we see his kingdom come. And it says the kingdom comes that people encounter God. They encounter his kingdom. They encounter his people who are you know, filled with the Spirit and, and, and are his ambassadors. We need to make sure that we're growing in this. I want to ask you to do three things today. I might think of a few more before I finish. I want to ask you firstly, please pray that our hearts as Croydon Jubilee Church, and I'm not saying that, the, that our hearts are not like this at all, but I'm asking you, please pray that our hearts would grow, that our hearts would be enlarged and we'd be opened more and more uh, to one another, but also to the community. Secondly, I want to pray, I want to ask you to pray that we would uh, realize the, the right strategy to see that goal of being a membrane between the church and the community that people will be crossing over from one side to the next. Please pray that we have the right strategy. We had a great strategy. I was really excited about it. I, th I think it would have worked. I think it was great. We need a new strategy. Please pray that we would have the right strategy, that we would have the right people in the right places doing the right things. And if that's you, uh, please voice up. Second, uh, also, no, and also, last thing I want to ask you to do is to consider whether you might be able to give a morning or an afternoon or a day or an evening or any time to serve this in a voluntary capacity. You know, we, 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 what we want to do here and what we believe that God has given us this place for is not going to work if the entire church is not behind it. Now, that doesn't mean that you all have to volunteer. We can't all volunteer. Many of you have full-time jobs, you know, and can't. But if you're retired or if you're part-time or if your children have left home or whatever, if you're able to give any time to, do you know what, I could serve for a few hours on a Tuesday morning. I could serve for a few hours on a Thursday afternoon. And perhaps as we see uh, people's availability and willingness to get behind this, we'll be able to see where we can offer, uh, where we can offer some provision to the local community. And, and as I say, the strategy isn't clear. We can start with a few uh, sessions of just serving teas and coffee and friendship, and who knows what will come from that. Uh, but please consider how you might be able to uh, be involved, because this is something that we're all doing. This is something that we're all going to do. And so we all need to be behind it, even if it's only in prayer. I won't say just in prayer. That is no small thing to be, uh, no small way to be involved in this. If you're involved in this in prayer, you really are, uh, you know, you really are helping uh, what is going to happen here and what I believe God's going to do in us and through us as we serve this local community. I'm, I'm really praying and believing that we're going to see families saved and added, that we're going to see single men and women saved and added to our church so that we can worship with them, so that we can see them. You know, we talked a few weeks ago uh, about seeing lambs become sheep in our midst, that we would be able to look back in five years' time and go, they came to faith in 2021, and now they're leading one of our life groups. You know, uh, or, or they came to faith in 2021, and now their family are, are worshipping Jesus with them. 
You know, I'm, I'm believing for stuff like that. I'm asking God for stuff like that in prayer. You know, I'm asking God for more people in their 20s and 30s. You know, we, these, these are ways. How we use this place might be uh, a means to see those things happen. Anyway, as I said, it is, I will never, if, if we've ever done an introductory sermon before, I certainly haven't done it because it's a really awkward thing to do. And so I've shoehorned in a prayer request and a call to action um, and I've hopefully given you an encouraging way to read your Bible, to think of God first. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back over to the band, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you that your love is completely different to the love that is at work in the world, that's demonstrated in the world, and Lord, I pray that you would make us your people, people who love each other and those people in our workplaces and homes and that we encounter in our daily life, that you would cause us to love them the way that you have loved us. And Father, we thank you for this building that you've given us. We thank you for the opportunities that it gives us to uh, to minister to this local community, to show your love to them. And Lord, I want to ask that you would give us the right strategy. Lord, that you would give us the right people in the right places, that you would give us, um, that you would give us inroads into the local community so that we can demonstrate your love, so that we can share the good news that you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten Son. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and with peace this week as we consider uh, this future that you are going to work out in our midst and through this building. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.